brothers and sisters, it's good to be in worship with you once again. We hope you're having a good kickoff to summer. I know we had a lot of fun at Bible school this week, and I'm sure many of us who were at Bible school were, were hopefully had a nice quiet Saturday to relax. Our Saturday was pretty quiet, and so we enjoyed that. As we look to the scripture today on this Trinity Sunday, we want to look at one of the earliest examples written in the scriptures of the Trinity. And we're going to be talking about the Trinity today, and we've got some slides to help us with that. And so we pick up in Paul's letter to the Romans. Romans was written probably about 20, 25 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus, one of the earliest writings in the New Testament. And here Paul is wrestling with what it means to have faith in Jesus and to be saved by grace through faith. And he looks especially to God's covenant with Abraham and how God saw Abraham's faith and credited his faith to him as righteousness, thereby justifying him or making him in a right relationship with God. And so we pick up in the 23rd verse that Paul writes of chapter 4 that says these words, the words it was credited to Abraham or to him were not just written for Abraham alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins. He was raised to life for our justification. And so therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance and perseverance character and character hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us this is the word of God for you and me the people of God thanks, thanks be to God you pray with me Heavenly Father may we bring glory to you this day Lord Jesus may your word and life of salvation live in us this day and holy spirit maybe we welcome your presence as a gift of love poured into our hearts today i pray we would love you father son and holy spirit in jesus name amen now we talk some about the trinity today there, there's a lot of mystery to the trinity right it's it's hard to explain uh, the ancient church described it as, as uh, three persons with one essence or one substance, one nature. And the one basic way to talk about this would be to talk about it in terms of light. Like light shines through a prism, when it comes out the other side, it comes out different colors. Green, blue, red, and other colors. But the red light is still very much light. The blue light is still, in essence, light. And the green light is also, in essence, light. They are all light, but there's also a distinction, a difference 
between red and green and blue, different wavelengths, different personalities. And as the church wrestled with the nature of God, that's one of the conclusions they came to. And we're looking at this today because, uh, well, this is the illustration I thought of. Growing up as a kid, I loved the Star Wars movies. Now, that may have been a little before some of your time and after some of your times, but uh, one of the things that was always talked about in the Star Wars movies is we've got to bring balance to the Force. And that, what that basically meant is there's too much evil in the Force. We've got to get rid of the evil part of the Force, and we've got to embrace the good part of the Force. The Force had gotten out of balance, and there was too much bad stuff and not enough good stuff. And in our life and faith, brothers and sisters, there's a similar principle. In our life, our faith can get out of balance. And in our life, we need to have a faith in Jesus that is well-balanced, that is healthy, that brings goodness to the world and God's glory to the world rather than harm or evil or anything bad. And I think in our 20th, 21st century church, this is one of the things that we're facing. I think we embrace too much unhealthy stuff and not enough of the healthy stuff. How do we get more healthy? Well, one of the key ways is embracing the fullness of who God is, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Embracing the fullness of who God is, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we want to look more deeply into that some of you may ask, well, Chris, how did we even come up with a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? I could spend a whole message on that, but maybe I'll do that some other day. But for today, just notice here in Paul's letter, again, shortly after the death and resurrection of Jesus, Paul writes about the work of God the Father and needing to find peace with God the Father. And we find peace and we're justified, we're made right in a good relationship with God the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross and through his resurrection. The Son's work was to save us and bring us into a healthy relationship with the Father. But that's not all, because he concludes and says, we experience this relationship through the love of God, which God pours into each human heart who's receptive individually, through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul very clearly has a picture of God being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit here very shortly after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so, so what I can basically say is we believe God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because our experience tells us that that is who God is and how he works in the world and how he works in everyday life. And the Trinitarian understanding of God is very personal, very relational, and it, it's very practical. And I want to kind of share with you some of the ways the Trinity shapes our lives today. So the first, we want to look at what the Trinity, how it affects our life and what the Trinity really means. So we've, we only could get one screen working, so you'll have to kind of work, look at the screen. You'll see here, again, the colors of the Trinity. Green will represent the Father, red the Son, and blue the Holy Spirit. And I'm sorry for the choir. Y'all may need to come down and, and watch it. But you see God is reflected in these three colors. God the Father is our creator. Jesus the Son is our Savior. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit that lives and dwells in us. And so what do we learn about who God is as Trinity? 
keep on going. First is that God, as a triune God, created the universe. And so all creation reflects the nature and glory of God. We see, though, that uh, creation wasn't enough. As fallen, frail human beings, we needed salvation. And so Jesus came to bring salvation to a world that was lost and broken and in need. But that's not all. We didn't just need saving. We also needed to be transformed and made more like the God who made us. And that's the work of the Spirit, the work of sanctification. Sanctification helps us become more and more holy, helps us reflect God's righteousness, and helps prepare us to live forever in his kingdom of heaven. All right. How do we experience God in these different ways? Well, God the Father, we know we experience as the God who is above us, the God who reigns and rules in heaven, but who is at work in a broken and fallen world and universe. But that's not all we need. We need more than knowing God's above us. That wasn't enough for the Israelites, and it's not enough for us. And so we need God to be with us in life, in history. And so God took on flesh and was incarnation in Jesus Christ so that we would just not know God above us, but we could also experience what God is like with us. But that's not enough. We needed more. To become transformed, to be God's children, we need to be changed from the inside out. And that comes through the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that is working in the world that lives inside us. It's God in us that transforms our lives. And so the triune God works in all these ways. All right, next slide. Now from this, God speaks in all these different ways through the Trinity as well. God the Father as creator speaks to his creation an expectation that we would live moral lives, that we would be a righteous people or a people who live and do the right thing. And so God says, you shall, you shall keep my commands. You shall seek to be holy and like me. And as we look at that statement and we know from the witness of the Old Testament, we haven't done, we've never done a good job of living up to the you shall part of the equation. We always fall short. The sin gets the, inside us gets the better of us. Our selfishness gets the better of us. And so in fallenness and brokenness, we are separated from God. Paul writes a little further down in Romans, in fact, that we become enemies of God at wrath with God, working against what God is trying to do. And so we need more than the you shalls. So as God, the son came and brought us a you may. You may receive me. You may repent. You may trust in the good news of the kingdom in my death and resurrection. And if you will trust in me, I will make you right. Not because of what you do, but because of my grace and your faith. That's what Paul writes here, right? In Romans chapter five, he says, we have been justified. We've been made right with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ because he died. He was delivered over to death for our sins. He was raised to life for our justification. And so God invites us into a relationship. 
and doesn't just say you shall, but he says you may, if you will choose to follow me, love me, and trust in me. But that's not enough. We need even more. And so through the presence of the Holy Spirit that we talked about last week on the day of Pentecost, God also in the Spirit says, you can. You can be filled with my presence. You can experience my power. You can know my love that's poured like liquid heat into your very life, saturates your, your nature so much that you're just overwhelmed with knowing that you're my child and that I love you. You can know my joy. You can know my hope that overcomes suffering with perseverance in character. You can do this and be shaped and transformed through my power and presence. So the Holy Spirit, all these are what God has shared with us through his nature. All right. So we see God in nature in the world. In, in his creation. His creation reflects who he is. But not only does God show himself in nature, but he does more. He goes further. He also works in history. God is a God who intervenes in history. Benjamin Franklin said God intervened in history. Uh, Abraham Lincoln talked about the God of providence, that God works in history. And so we see in Jesus, we are a historical faith. It matters, brothers and sisters, that Jesus was a real human being and not just a mythical one. It matters that in history that he died on a cross and that in history he conquered death and rose again on the third day. That matters. If that's not true, then we're all still in our sins and uh, we might as well be something else than followers of Jesus. History matters to God. But not only that, but God is also at work in us in a more individual and community-oriented way. The Holy Spirit seeks to make God's presence personal for you. Because you matter. Not just the preachers, not just the prophets, not just the, the servants, but you matter. And so the Lord does that with all of us. And so, Valerie, go on. Next slide. Now, from the created natural world, how do we figure out what is true? How do we figure out what is true in this life? Well, if God is creator of the universe, and we figure out what's going on in the universe through a, what we call science, right? Then science is an expression of truth that we encounter in God's universe. You know, some say Christians are anti-science. We should never be anti-science. If God's universe is a part of creation and he made it, then science should fit within the framework of what God and God's truth he's trying to express. Secondly, though, is the Bible. There are some things that, that the creation won't tell us. The creation does sort of express there needs to be a creator, a designer, someone who made the universe. But... It's only in Jesus that we can know God's way of salvation. It's only in Jesus that we can encounter the truth of who we are to be. And so God has spoken to people throughout the ages, especially, it seems, the people of Israel. 
and especially to Jesus and especially to those who follow Jesus. And so we look to this book as a source, as the primary source of faith and truth. And so the Bible is important in us finding our best life. But how do we test science and make sure we've understood it correctly? How do we test scripture and make, make sure that we're understanding it in a healthy way? Well, that comes through the presence of the Holy Spirit. The, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come and will teach you all these things, right? And so it's by our individual experience and by the importance of our community experience that we learn how to discern the truth as the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. But it's an individual learning, but it's also important to be a community learning. Community learning we've called over the course of the ages tradition. The tradition of the church comes through God's Spirit working in the community. But that that experience refines the truth we encounter in other places. All right. Yeah, we'll hit this one at the end. There we go. All right. So now here's where uh, sometimes our faith uh, gets out of whack. Uh, ever since uh, the church developed the sort of a, a clear understanding of the Trinity, maybe around the Council of Nicaea or whatever, and tried to explain everything in as much detail as they could. Uh, one of the problems with that is that as people, we tend to gravitate towards our favorite person. And we tend to say God is like this, and we like God best when God is like this. And those other two, uh, not so sure about them but I like my God like this. And that's been a temptation in the church for thousands of years. And so we see here that, uh, that the part of the church that loves God as creator of the universe and loves God's creation tends to be the more liberal side of the church. Now, liberal means freedom. And the gospel is all about freedom. But those who love God, the creator, love to make sure that this world is running as God designed it to. And that means that we're loving one another to the best of our ability, that we love everybody, no matter who they are, no matter the color of their skin, no matter what language they speak, no matter whether they're rich or poor and how much stuff they have. And the folks like this love to put that love into action. They love to get out there and they'll be the ones on the front line fighting for causes of justice. They'll be the ones among us who will say, you know, they've gone woke for Jesus because they love people and they love God's creation. They're the ones that, that are at the forefront of the you know, global warming and trying to say, listen, we need to change the way we live so that this creation will last for, for our children and grandchildren and great-great-great-great-grandchildren. And, and they just love God who created the universe. And they're comfortable with that, with God in that way. There are others of us who love Jesus. We're the evangelicals or the, or the fundamentalists. And we love Jesus so much, you can't have too much of Jesus. You need to be saved by Jesus from your sin. And the only way you can find Jesus is to love and trust and believe and lift up the book 
because this book is the book of salvation. And so the evangelical part of the community loves Jesus, loves sharing our faith in Jesus, knows we've got to share the faith in Jesus with every person on the planet, and, and we just need more of Jesus. And then if you look, uh, the charismatic part of the church comes along. And they said, hey guys, and this, this movement came about 100 years ago. There was a part of the church that came along the stage and said, hey guys, but you're forgetting the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is as active today as it was in Jesus' day. The Holy Spirit is out, wants to do miracles. The Holy Spirit wants us to be filled with His presence and power. The Holy Spirit wants to guide us. The Holy Spirit wants to lead our lives. We've got to listen for the voice of God and the Holy Spirit more. That's the way forward. As a church, we pick our favorite. And the other thing we do, brothers and sisters, is we point out those that we aren't as close to. And we say, y'all better watch out. You, you liberal church, you better watch out. You're going too far the other way. Or the liberal church says, uh, you evangelicals, you're going too far that way. And we push whatever, whatever's opposite to who you are. They're the bad guys. They're the enemy. They're the ones we're not supposed to like. They've gone too far. But that's not really quite how it works. So go on to the next one. Yeah, I borrowed these from somebody else. It's the only way I could find them on the internet. Um, and as I say, this, this comes from Christian Swartz. This isn't my stuff. I wish I'd come up with this. I didn't. Christian Swartz is a theologian out of Germany. And uh, he wrote The Threefold Art of Experiencing God. And it's, it's a short little book, but it's great stuff. And I'm giving you most of it today. Here we see the heresies of being only one of the Trinity, of only having your favorite person of the Trinity. Each comes with its own heresy. Now, heresy means out of bounds, right? You go to a soccer game, a basketball game, a baseball game. You know when the ball's out of bounds, right? You got to have a do-over. Okay, when faith gets out of bounds, uh, we have to have a do-over. And so here are the different heresies that come with each area, right? And, and often we think, well, there's only one heresy, and that's the enemies on the other side. No, we each have to watch out for our own heresies. Did you know that? So the heresy of liberals who love God as creator and are comfortable with God as creator and want to see his creation run well, the heresy they have to watch for is the heresy of syncretism. Syncretism means they, they love the world in God's name, but they can love it so much, they become exactly like the world in its fallenness, in its brokenness, and in all those kind of things. And so we hear the words of the disciple that said, we are to be in the world, right? But not of the world, right? So that little verse there is talking about watch out for syncretism. And so if you love God as your father and love people and love justice issues and love taking care of creation, you just have to be, you have to watch out for loving the world too much that you, you uh, miss out on God. 
for those who are evangelical. The heresy that that side struggles with tends to be the heresy of dogmatism. The heresy of dogmatism. And that's the heresy that says, I've read the book. I know what the Bible says. I've got it right. You've got it wrong. I'm the good guy. You're the bad guy. Either get on my train or get out of the way. Because I know everything. Right? And that's dogmatism. And that's sin. It's heresy. It's not what we're to be. And so, uh, and so here, uh, it lifts up for us that if that is an area that we're in, we have to be aware of that. We have to be aware of that. In fact, if we look at Jesus in his interaction with the Pharisees, remember how Jesus, why did Jesus have such a hard time with the Pharisees? It wasn't their syncretism. Well, it probably some was their syncretism, but it was their dogmatism. They were so dogmatic about how the Sabbath was supposed to go. No one could do any good on the Sabbath. No one could heal on the Sabbath. No one could do anything positive on the Sabbath. Jesus said, guys, get a clue. You're wrong. Get over it. Quit being so dogmatic. So we have to watch out for that. And then charismatic part of the church, the, the heresy there is spiritualism. Spiritualism is, is sort of a, you know, God is with me so much, I don't really have to listen to anybody else. I've got it all to myself. And we make, a spiritualist will make the whole, anything they do, any decision, anything, everything will be about spiritual things. And so what the spiritualist does is the spiritualist disconnects from the creator because the creator gave us brains, right? And brain has to connect with reason. God gave us, gave us the brain and the reason to kind of, kind of have a, a discernment process of wisdom. And so the charismatic person sometimes will make decisions that, that are more disconnected from their reason than they should be. The second thing is, is they may hear voices or be guided by visions or whatever. And in that, uh, you know, those voices may say something different than the teaching of the scripture about how to live or what choice to make or how to treat their neighbor. But they listen to the voice instead of the lessons and the truth of the word of God. And so, you know, they have no accountability anymore because, I mean, you maybe have heard the phrase, they're so spiritually minded that they're no earthly good, right? That's spiritualism. And so, brothers and sisters, what we are looking for is the Lord God to be Lord of all areas of our life. For us to embrace God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To embrace all those, we want to move to the central position, the healthiest position that, that watches out for the three heresies. Now our tendency is again, if, if I'm say, let's say I'm an evangelical, my tendency may be to say, well, those liberals, they just, they're too woke. They've gone too far. They're out of control. The problem is syncretism. If we can just fix the syncretism in this world, then the church will be okay. And of course, the liberals are saying, well, if you can just be a little more loving to our neighbors and a little more loving to those of different colors, a little more loving to those of different uh, backgrounds, then our world would be so much better and things will be okay. And then the charismatics may, may say, you know, 
if you could just connect more with the Holy Spirit, then God can get the church on the right track and we can really see God make a difference in our world and things will be okay. Brothers and sisters, what Christian Swartz encourages us is whichever one you feel most comfortable in, you know, the heresy that you're supposed to be watching in your life most is the one you will be most tempted by. The one you need to watch for the most is the one you will be most tempted by, right? And so, yes, if you're a part of the liberal view of things, then you need to watch out for syncretism and not loving the world too much. If you're more evangelical, you need to watch out for dogmatism and make sure that you still love others and still believe that the Holy Spirit is at work. And if you're more charismatic, then, uh, then you as well need to, uh, need to watch out for spiritualism. Make sure that to, in your guidance, you're listening some to your reason and to your head and also guided by the truth of Scripture, right? And so these are the lessons that, uh, that the Trinity brings to us in a very practical way of what it means. And notice, if we could live in the middle if we could find a home in that, in that inner circle with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then wouldn't a lot of the divisions that we're seeing in our culture today begin to diminish and disappear? Isn't that true? And didn't Jesus say that he longs for a church that, that shows love for one another and to be united in the heart of the Father? Isn't that what he said in John's gospel? Isn't that who we are to be? So how do we do this? Now back to that other slide. There we go. So how do we, as the church of Jesus, transform the world? Well, to understand how God works as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God the Father in creation has provided principles laws of life and we, 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 when we embrace God's principles it produces growth in the kingdom and growth in humanity and freedom from sin and love and, and building better communities but in order for the principles to work we need a motivation to go out and live them and use them and practice them and the motivation comes through Jesus who came to show us the way, the truth, and the life, right? And so Jesus gives us the motivation, you are to be my witnesses of the kingdom in your community for God's glory. That's your job, that's your mission, is to love God and to love others in a way that transforms the world. So go do it. And Jesus made sure and said, but don't do it alone. Stay in Jerusalem until you're anointed with the power of my spirit because it's only the power of the Holy Spirit that will help us accomplish what God has called us as the church to accomplish. So when we apply these three things, the principles, the motivation, and the anointing from God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's when the church can be the most vital, the most healthy, and the most life-changing. And so today, as we close, I want to ask you, uh, which part of God have you tended to love more than others? Where are you weakest? 
Are you weakest in embracing the presence of the Holy Spirit because you're not quite sure what that might mean? If the Holy Spirit starts to fill your life in life-changing ways? Is it that you're not sure, of, you know, you wrestle with Scripture and the truth of Scripture these days because it doesn't seem to match your view of the world? Or do you wrestle with God as creator calling us to love one another no matter what? To respect one another, to care for one another for God's glory? I don't know, but I pray that this would challenge each of us to move more into a Trinitarian worldview and bring balance, not to the force, but to faith in Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen.